Involve. Solve. Evolve. Welcome to Cloud Crunch, the podcast for any large enterprise planning on moving to or is in the midst of moving to the cloud. Hosted by the cloud computing experts from Second Watch, Ian Willoughby, Chief Architect Cloud Solutions, and Skip Berry, Executive Director of Cloud Enablement. And now, here are your hosts of Cloud Crunch. Welcome back to Cloud Crunch. For this week's episode, we have a special guest, Michael Elliott, who's one of our coworkers in product marketing. Michael joins us with an interesting background, working at uh, Dell, NetApp, and Sun Microsystems, uh, some of the obviously leaders in technology for many, many years. So very, very diverse background there and very excited about this conversation. And also joined as usual with Skip Barry, our co-host of this wonderful podcast. Welcome, Skip. How's it going today? Uh, doing good, Ian. Doing good. Very interested and looking forward to interviewing Michael here as well. Yeah, Michael, well, welcome and uh, look forward to having a great discussion. No, I absolutely appreciate it. Yeah, no, this is great. So what we're going to be discussing today is the uh, five strategic IT business drivers that CXOs are contemplating these days. And I always kind of like to baseline some of our conversations that we have. And uh, when we see CXO, let's let's kind of drill in a little bit of, of what roles we're, we're talking about, Michael. Well, it's a great point because, you know, some organizations, CIO is driving, other organizations, it's a CFO, other organizations, it's a CTO. So I try not to, to limit it to one, one specific chief per se. And it's really all about thinking about what are the strategic business drivers overall that is going on and that we're needing to think about in this new normal, however you want to define this new normal. And then ultimately, what those CXOs need to be thinking about as far as how do I react? What do I do now? Yes. So let's pick at the new normal from a definition perspective from your lens, Michael. What is the new normal? Life after COVID-19, et cetera. Well, you know, I look at this, there were many shades of gray. When we talk at businesses, whether you're a retailer, whether you're, you know, the Amazon focusing on IT, developing, there are many shades of gray about how you were going to approach from an IT perspective, how you were going to approach satisfying what your CEO, what your board is trying to drive as far as growth strategies, going into new markets, lots of shades of gray around that. Now, because of this new normal where either you've made money over the last three months, you've, you've, you know, kept, kept the boat straight. You've been moving forward. You've taken the opportunities that remote work has brought to you and commerce has brought to you, or you've had no money the past three months. And now you've got to react to the fact that I'm starting to bring my company back out of this. What do I do? So it's either a choice between, from my perspective, either I got to make some significant cuts right now and IT is going to get hit with the biggest one, most likely. You know, I, I haven't had revenue in three months. I need to cut just to survive. Or two, I'm going to take advantage of this situation to differentiate my company, to expand, to accelerate. So it's really a binomial. And then if we think about it in that binomial look, what are the things that I can do either on I need to cut or this is my opportunity to grow? Oh, that's fantastic. You know, obviously, we've seen a lot of interesting announcements from some of the tech giants about uh, work from home policies going forward. And uh, it seems like there's maybe an acceleration of some decision making associated with the remote workforce. 
How might the new normal impact IT organizations? Well, it's funny because, you know, we've heard a lot around the last couple months, people were just in survival mode. And now they're coming out of this survival mode and saying, what, what do we do now? Now I'm ready to start making some decisions. So from an IT perspective, and we think about it from a, a remote workforce, you know, I just read a report from CIO Magazine today talking about how hiring within IT, the, the ones that are being aggressive, the ones that are thinking forward, how do I take advantage of these opportunities? They're looking out and saying, I can now hire a lot of people. I've learned how to hire remotely. I've learned how to operate in a mode that allows IT to be remote. I can now open up and look at a lot more capabilities, a lot more competencies out there that I don't have to move to my office. And I think that's opening up a lot within the industry of who we hire. And it's also for the people being hired, looking at, they now have the opportunity to say, I'm going to work from Montana. I'm going to work from the mountains. I'm going to work from the beach and still be able to perform my job, but do it on my terms. And that's changing things as well. But along with that, it's creating a lot of risk. Well, what are some of those risks, do you think? Well, I mean, I look at that when we first had to go to a model of being completely remote. We did a lot of things that, from a security perspective, probably weren't the right direction, but we did it because we had to do it. And that's opened up a lot of security holes. It's opened up a lot of things that we don't know what we don't know. And now all of a sudden we have people dialing in VPN and, and, and other, you know, whether it's Citrix or however they're using it to come into our data center remotely that I'm not sure I know who's all in my data center in that point. So there's a lot of work that needs to go on to say and look at, hey, who are all these people? I need to get control of this before Russia or before some third world type of country finds out about the holes that I've exposed, I need to start plugging those up. So that's another one of the strategic you know, business drivers, just thinking about the security and what's gone on around that and reducing the risk that I've opened up. I guess so with that in mind, and you have uh, obviously your, your challenge because the polarity of saving costs, cutting costs, and yet you have to actually act quicker, faster, and you know, make the mountain move. How's the CXO, how are they grappling with this from what you've read, what you've been observing? Well, on those that are really focused on the cost model, things that were in flight are still pretty much in flight. But when you think about IT, you've got a certain percentage, whether it's 60%, whether it's 80%, that's just focused on keeping the lights on, keeping the applications running, everything around that. And then that other percentage that was really focused on what are the new stuff we can do? What are the new applications? How do we take advantage of, you know, IoT, artificial intelligence? Well, those got paused for those that are cost conscious. And now they're thinking, well, I'm just going to focus now my money on keeping the lights on. Well, how do I save cost around there? What are the things I need to think about around there? And managing data centers is probably not on the high list. Now, to transition from a data center, how do I get out of the data center business? How do I move from that? you know, capital expenditure to an operational expenditure kind of model, that takes time. But we're starting to see, and I'm starting to hear a lot of a uh, lot of the large enterprises start to think about, I want out of that model and I want out of that model fast. I don't want to have 13, 20 data centers. Maybe I, I get that down to a couple of data centers and the rest I start 
either consolidating into what I have or moving to the public cloud. So we're seeing a lot of uh, movement acceleration towards how do I go into the public cloud? How do I go into the public cloud effectively, cost effectively? How do I bring security into that? How do I bring compliance into that? And they don't really have necessarily the skill set to do that in a quick, efficient manner. So they're looking for outside companies to, to help provide a little bit of guidance around that. Yeah, it's interesting, Michael. So what about the customers and businesses that are already in the cloud? What are the CXOs contemplating from that angle uh, you know, in the new norm here as well? Well, it all depends on where they are in the cloud. So you have people that have moved specific applications into the cloud. There are you know, others that have fully embraced the cloud. And I think what we're seeing, and we're seeing this from a lot of large companies is, okay, I'm in there. How do I optimize within there? You know, I'm getting that that monthly bill, and wow, uh, I'm not sure I really expected that bill to be <laughs> at that level. So, what can I do to optimize around that? Are there reductions that I can do without hurting application efficiency? But are there different things I can do around reducing the cost, getting more efficient, uh, looking into those types of things? And then there's a second part of that, whereas, you know, I've got a lot of data now in the cloud. How do I start to take advantage of all that data that I'm moving in there, bring in other data, and then use tools like, you know, artificial intelligence, uh, use different types of application development methodologies to take advantage of the data, get power out of that data, and get a little closer to understanding my customers, understanding my customers' intentions, trying to think, you know, three steps ahead of where they're headed. So I'm making sure that I'm building the products and solutions that they're going to want. Not an easy task, but there's a lot of applications. There's a lot of development. There's a lot of tools within the public cloud that can enable that pretty quickly and pretty seamlessly. That's interesting. It is a challenge. But what my deduction out of that is really, you know, uh, even in unhealthy times, a good healthy business model of controlling cost is still appropriate, whether you're you know, on-prem trying to move to the cloud or whether you're in the cloud and trying to optimize, you know, uh, in summary, what you said. You're absolutely right, Skip. And it's amazing how many people that we talk to that are in the cloud that don't think that way. They don't think about the optimization that could occur. And, and maybe it's a part of they don't know what they don't know. And I, I'm always fearful of that, which I don't know. So I'm always doing a lot of reading, trying to understand but when we go in and have conversations about how, you know, we could save you 20% off your cloud bill right now, you know, with, with some tools and methodologies and capabilities and a strategy of how we approach that and look at that. Three months ago, they were like, mm, eh, not a priority right now. Now it is a priority. Now we're starting to see people. I do care about that. How can you help me? Yeah, and I think we're seeing with uh, a lot of the organizations we deal with that, uh, and this, I think it goes across the board, not just our industry, but anytime you have adversity, that it becomes a lens, a magnifier lens. You're either going to accelerate or you're going to shut down. So yeah. we see a lot of companies that are stagnant on making decisions, even more so than they were prior. And then we see some some of the healthier or the people that are willing to change to really accelerate and say, you know what, we're going to move forward. Uh, we've got to, it's the only option. So dealing with those types of companies, what are some of the newer things or newer technologies that, that you're seeing out there that they're starting to embrace? Well, I mean, I'm going to 
kind of talk about your point first about stagnation. It's amazing that the paralysis that occurred in the industry around what do we do? Um, we don't know help. You know, that, that came loud and clear over the past three months. And people are starting to wake up and understand there are things that I need to take advantage of. There are things I need to do to start looking at improving customer experience. And I, I talked a little bit about that as far as Machine learning, artificial intelligence. If you haven't taken advantage of those you know, capabilities, the public cloud is a perfect place. They have the tools. They have a lot of the systems already in place that you're not writing the code. You don't have to necessarily be the data science and data engineers to start taking advantage of those types of things. They're already out there. But I, I, I couple that with, you know, if you're not digitally aware if you're not thinking about, you know, this is my opportunity to bring products to market faster, and how do I make that happen? You're already losing. You're sitting in that stagnation. So you have to start thinking about how do I change? How is my business model going to change? What do I need to look like as a company, you know, 18 months from now to make sure that when this next cycle hits, that I'm in, you know, I'm not being absorbed by companies or I'm not going out of business. I'm expanding. I'm growing my company because of the things I did today. Who's going to survive, Michael? What is the so? I guess from an adaptability perspective, is it the ones that you know know how to control cost, or the ones that know how to innovate through this time? What's your opinion, really? At the end of the day, yeah, it's probably a blend. And you know, Ian said it perfectly. Is there's never there's never a bad time to control <laughs> costs, right? <laughs> but don't control cost at the expense of not looking forward, at not looking at how I need to grow, how I need to change. So when you ask who's going to survive, it's going to be those people that are looking at technology to think about how can it enable me going forward? How can it be an advocate for creating a better customer experience? Which new technologies am I going to embrace that are going to enable digital transformation. And digital transformation, a lot of people think, is an overused term. It's not. We need to all be thinking about digital transformation. Call it what you want. But we need to be thinking about how do we enable IT? How do we enable a better customer and client experience? How do we attract, engage, and delight those customers? And what is the technology is going to enable me to do that? And start thinking in those terms and put that lens on so that when I go in and I talk to the CEO, I go in and talk to the CFO and say, I want to make these strategic investments. And these are the strategic investments that I think are going to enable, that are going to meet our business drivers, that are going to meet our business goals, and are going to allow us to be successful 18 months from now. And put on that lens, I think if we start to think about it in those ways, it'll still, it gives us a better chance of survival. Now, certain industries clearly are going to struggle unless they reinvent themselves. Um, that's going to be... And that's going to be universal. This this new normal, though, has sped up that process. Yeah. 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 I don't know if you're all familiar with the show called Build It Bigger on the Science Channel. It was out mm -hmm. a few years ago. But one of the episodes really resonates with me these days. And it's they were down in the South American mines. The area was unstable because of just the the geography and the fault lines. So often there was collapses or, of course, explosions when they were mining. But what they did was they trained themselves that any time that there was a, a large boom or a shift in the land, they stood still. 
and they sat there for a second and then they orientated themselves and then made the decision. What I, I've been seeing recently is sometimes people are like, we just need a data lake. We just went to machine learning. And I think what you're really hitting on is to take the moment, think about it, say, what is the outcome you're really looking for? And I think it's okay to pause for a second and, and, and just think through it and then, then act. No, absolutely. And then it comes down to IT not being a separate organization, to having a seat at the table and supporting supporting the business goals. Ultimately, CEO drives, what are the business goals for the company? We look to the CEO to understand how we need to drive our company forward. IT is there to support as well as be a part of an enabler of those business goals. And if we, like you say, Ian, we pause, we think about what those business goals are and how IT can help enable that, that gives us the best chance of being successful. Yeah, I think, you know, that goes right into reducing risk, right? It's it's taking the time to, to plan and think through it and not stagnant, of course. There's always risk associated with all business decisions. No, completely agree. There, there's always risk, but there's greater risk of atrophy. There's greater risk of doing nothing. So we have to make decisions. Let's let's pause. Let's understand where the business needs to drive towards and go forward. And I go back to back when I was in grad school, uh, the chief marketing officer Blockbuster came in. And I'm probably going to date myself a little bit, but came in and talked about at that time, you know, how Blockbuster was doing really, really well. And all the uh, CXOs thought they were doing so great. And then the world kind of shifted. And this was before Netflix. And the world kind of shifted a little bit. And they all looked at each other. And they were all doing a lot of different tasks really hard. But they weren't rowing the boat straight. So they were all going in off in their own different directions. And they said, once we kind of understood what each of us were doing or, and not enabling the business to row forward, we all got back in the boat and started to understand and focus on what that end result needed to be. And I always look back to that as, you know, one, these pauses do give you the opportunity to think about that strategic direction and make sure that everybody is marching towards that strategic direction. But the other side of that is, but there's always someone else who's ready to displace you. So if you're not thinking about one, those business objectives, but number two, where that market is going in 18 months or two years from now, you're always at risk for being swamped. Agreed. Absolutely. And I still have a couple of blockbuster tapes I've been trying to return for a while. <laughs> there's so, still one left. Yeah. I hear there's still one I left. I hear there's one left too. <laughs> I, thought yeah. the, I thought the last one was gone. I don't know. We'll have to fact check that one. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, we will. Yeah. I, I wanted to dive in a little bit more on the customer experience. Um, you know, it's it's always been a struggle, right? It will always been a struggle. Some some companies do it much better than others, and and obviously there's industry that do it much better than others as well. You know, from from a second watch perspective, being in professional services, our cloud enablement, you know, we're looking at things, working with customers through this challenging times. Is you know, it's not you know we're working with them, right? It's not for free. It's not whatever. It's not the charity program, but realizing and recognizing, you know, uh, it's an ecosystem. If they don't exist, we don't exist. And what have you. So I'm wondering, you know, from looking at this at a, at a very, you know, again, stratospheric view or what have you, like, how does that permeate? Where does some relationships from a cloud centric perspective of, you know, where businesses are moving in the cloud? What's the technology out there that they leverage to improve, whether it's like something like AWS with the call center or something like that? 
you know, you, you, you could tie in cost reduction, you could tie in, you know, basically making better decisions, quicker decisions, those kind of things. Do you see that movement, Michael, happening uh, so far? You know, is there a trend that's moving in that direction that is uh, customers are looking at that now? Well, I'm going to answer your question by actually not answering your question. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the reason I say that is I think there's there's three stages of the customer experience that every company needs to think about. It's the attract. How do I get clients and prospects into the door? Once I get them in the door and I have a conversation, how do I engage them? And then once, you know, once they become a partner of ours, how do I delight them going forward? So from a perspective, uh, you know, you talk about professional services, when we're working with clients, how do we, you know, how do we delight them? And we delight them by bringing solutions to them. Number one, doing our job. Number one, do our job. But number two, how do we do more than that? How do we delight them? How do we bring in new competencies, new capabilities that they're not thinking about? You talked about, you know, AWS call centers. How do we bring those type of solutions that they haven't thought about to them? How do we become that trusted advisor? And I think that's that's important for any organization as they work with their prospects and as they work with their clients, becoming that trusted advisor. You know, they don't want to be sold. Clients want someone that partners with them, that helps them solve problems, that understand their business. And I think that's a key to it. And that's an important part for Second Watch to understand is we have access to a lot more technology and knowledge within our industry that we can bring forth that the clients don't know about. It's important for us to be able to be that trusted advisor, to bring that information, to show them how other companies may be solving similar problems and bring that knowledge to them. Hmm. Totally agree. Coincidentally, but I, yeah, yeah. That's a, in, in, a, in the grand scheme, yes, it is. It doesn't matter if it's second watch or what have you. I think any, any position like that is, is right um, right now in the world really to have that, uh, that stature, if you will. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes because people are having a challenge, you know, I'm proud to say that we've, we've helped some clients out that we may, you know, in normal times may have said, well, you know, we can't do that. I'm sorry, but we all got to help each other out. Got to get through this, right? Yeah, exactly. So Michael, you have a blog and in the show notes, we're definitely going to want to put the link to that, but you have some uh, inspirations in there for the quotes and I want to talk a little bit about where those come from. So um, my my undergraduate degree is I'm actually a mathematician. And as a mathematician, you're also somewhat interested in philosophy. So when I went to grad school and um, started to operate on the other side of my brain a little bit, I always looked at quotes as a way of how to distill really, really important information quickly. And so I I look at quotes and, and I really engage with quotes to understand, like, you know, the first one. I always look at, like, you know, Antoine de Saint-Exupéry, and I'm not French, so my apologies, but the time for action is now. It's never too late to do something. And that just really resonates with me around, you know, analysis paralysis of, to Ian's point, let's pause, but then let's have action. Let's develop a plan and have action versus going, I don't know what to do. I'm going to do nothing. So I look at quotes as a way of distilling a whole lot of information into a single point. So if you go out to my blogs of which, you know, you can find them within Second Watch. I also maintain my own blog at elliotmichael.com. 
you'll start to see a lot of just uh, interesting quotes that help kind of drive my thought process and how to distill very strategic information down into actionable. Fantastic. Well, Michael, I really want to thank you for your time today. Uh, Skip, always good to see your smiling yeah, face likewise. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you too, Ian. And, and Michael, thank you for joining us. It's great. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Well, audience, thanks again for joining us. Uh, we're always, as you know, looking for suggestions and feedback. Please reach us at cloudcrunch at secondwatch.com. And we'd love to hear from you. We look forward to speaking with you again in the near future. Thank you. You've been listening to Cloud Crunch with Ian Willoughby and Skip Berry. For more information, check out the blog, secondwatch.com slash company slash blog, or reach out to Second Watch on Twitter. 